Okay, we're back. Welcome to uh, the exciting conclusion. What Part three of our special What Difference Does It Make with Freddie Snakeskin. Yes, I'm Dave. I'm Holly. I forgot to mention that. Oh. <laughs> Very important. The, these are things that we should have learned from Freddie Snakeskin. <laughs> How to be a professional? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Clearly, we're, uh, we're learning. This is uh, this will be part three, and uh, Freddie will t- take us through uh, what uh, what happened uh, after K Rock and uh, into the future, and what he's doing now. So until then, enjoy part three. Thank you. When did Richard Blade come into the picture? Uh, he came in about uh, 1981 or thereabouts. He had uh, been doing production at KNAC, and uh, he was the all night guy, Dick Shepard on KNAC. And so I hired him to uh, to do production and weekends at K Rock. So you hired only people you knew. <laughs> well, I, I, I didn't know him at the time. Oh, you didn't? Okay. No, no. Did you listen? Did were people sending you tapes? Oh, uh, constantly, yeah. yeah. But he became the dreamboat of uh, of K Rock. I guess we're. I mean, because it was before <laughs> social media. I don't know how. I guess maybe from what I understand he he had you know his he's always been very good at marketing himself and he he makes a nice living from it today even still doing 80s uh yeah. reunions and dances and he's got this whole company and you know he'll 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 put on a a James Bond 80s theme party for you if you pay him enough money and uh he's he flies all over the country and rich people hear him on Sirius uh hire him for weddings and High school reunions in Florida and New Jersey and all these places. So he's he's got he's done very well. Yeah, God bless Hi, I'm Richard Blade here in the MV3 studios with Friday's live band. That's the Bangles, and it looks like LA is finally getting some great bands coming out after a long dry spell. We've got bands like the Plimsolls, Missing Persons, Berlin, and now four hot ladies. So would you like to introduce yourselves? Yeah, and he's he's got a book out too. I haven't read it. Oh, you have yeah. not. I was going to no, ask I, you about that. I have not seen it. Oh, <laughs> no. Nope. It's a big book. He's got a lot to say. Yeah, well, I'd, uh, I haven't been able to bring myself to actually buy it yet, but uh, I would read it if, if somebody gave me a copy. <laughs> All right. We'll see what we can do. <laughs> I, I guess, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if we should uh, – every, every story has an ending. I mean, you've had, you've had how many endings? Four endings at K-Rock or three endings? Well, <laughs> I guess they weren't really endings now, were they? <laughs> no, not really. Uh, okay, so it's just a so, break. Yeah, just so what? A, so break. when it did seemed you kind of final at the time? When did you? See, I mean, you know, things were going great, and then there was who? Who owned the station at the time? After, um, well, Ken, Ken Roberts was Ken still or- a creditor in possession <laughs> with no authority, except he was making so much money off of this little gold mine that he had uh, mm-hmm. excavated by sheer force of will that he spent it on uh, lawyers. Um, to solidify his position with the FCC. And the FCC had no record of a guy named Ken Roberts in association with KROQ. And so uh, from their point of view, the license was uh, was vacant and up for, grab, uh, up for grabs. And so all kinds of people came out of the woodwork and filed against it, uh, religious institutions, other broadcasters. And they had even gone so far as to award the license to uh, a, uh, a couple of different people. There was an uh, K Rock AM and K Rock FM, mm-hmm. and so they awarded the license to different people. 
And there are all these uh, articles in the paper about, uh, oh, K-Rock's going off the air any day now because the uh, FCC has yanked their license and all this stuff. But strangely enough, um, with the right lawyers, all things are possible. Mm-hmm. And Ken essentially paid one guy um, who, who had been a uh, offer, who, who had supposedly won the FM license. He made it clear to them that uh, he would challenge them till his last dying breath, or they could take five million dollars and go have a nice life. So they, in every case, they opted for the money. Of course, and he gave away the uh, the AM station on the same basis. Wow, because uh, it didn't really seem it had a very lousy signal. And okay, so now now who's in control? Um. Well, once once Ken had been officially awarded the license, he kept it for a year, and then he shopped around. He uh, determined what had been the highest price ever paid for an FM station license at that, that time, and he said, well, I want a million more. Mm-hmm. And so he uh, found somebody to pay him that, which was Infinity. And, and this is this is big. So that's when everything really changed. That's when that's when it hit the fan. Yeah, well, <laughs> so to speak. Nothing lasts forever. What are you going to do? All right. So, how yeah. long? So, what year was this? Uh, this was about eighty six or eighty seven, I think. And how long after was your first departure? Uh, that would be in nineteen ninety. Oh, okay. So you hung in for four years with Infinity. Oh, yeah. yeah. But th- there was kind of a change in musically in, in the mid-80s or like yes. the late 80s, change musically. And so is K-Rock pivoting or what you, – you're the PD now still, right? In, no, no. I uh, what, what? I gave that up about uh, 85. Oh, okay. Because I was getting too much grief from this idiot manager that Ken hired. <laughs> and since they, he wasn't paying me anything to be the PD, I just sort of stepped in and offered to do it. Mm-hmm. And uh, he kind of liked, uh, liked the terms. So uh, he, he made me the PD. But uh, after, after a while, it just wasn't worth it. Okay. So I just went back to uh, being a DJ. And who took over after you? Uh, Ramondo was, okay. was the interim PD. Mm-hmm. And uh, then Rick came back from his uh, consulting adventures <laughs> and took it back for a couple of years. Okay. And then he uh, passed away right. in uh, 89. I didn't realize it was in – wow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a crazy life Yeah, from what I understand. <laughs> yeah, hard, hard to imagine him engaging in any high-risk behavior, but uh, yeah. <clears throat> All right, what so, are you going to do? So w- was there – you know, uh, hip hop starts coming into the uh, and you know different types of rock. And there's grunge, like there's here. Well, there's yeah, the it was, 80s, it was more metal. it was more guitars that changed the sound of K rock and uh, what we would have once considered dinosaur music uh, made a resurgence. And so uh, I thought the the future of music was you know keyboards. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> evidently, I was outruled and. Uh, was there K Rock uh, became a big grunge station? Was this a, well? I mean, K Rock did well in the yeah. in the early nineties. It was kind of like at the the late eighties is when it kind of was finding it, trying to find its way. Right, again. right. Uh, yeah, there just wasn't a, as exciting a, a variety of K Rock music being released as there had been in the early days. It became too much of a formula. People were trying to create a formula that that would suit K Rock, and so. 
and it wasn't it, as spontaneous and, and it, fun as it had been. So there was discussion. I mean, I guess Infinity was in, was there, so they had their own. Yeah, ideas. they didn't care about the music. They, they right. you know, they they would have had they would have put on twenty four hours of uh, people throwing crockery against the wall if that had been uh, what would make them number one. <laughs> I'm sure you would have been in favor of that. <laughs> <laughs> Some people would have. <laughs> But okay. by that time, I'd gotten reunited with Ken Roberts, mm-hmm. and um, I went into uh, to K Rock one day, and the new program director that they had hired uh, called me in and said, "Well, Freddie, what you what you did may have worked once, but uh, I feel the station is no longer meeting your needs." He <laughs> <laughs> said, "Oh, really?" <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I got that distinct impression too. Oh. And so they uh, they let me go. So I uh, hooked up with Ken Roberts again, and um, we kind of uh, talked him into uh, getting back into the radio business. And there were uh, two little stations on for sale that just happened to be on the same frequency, mm-hmm. one in Santa Monica and the other one Newport Beach, and they had uh, they were both programming this really lame. Uh, easy listening, mm-hmm. various easy listening formats, but they were different, different staffs, different, uh, you know, what they had like one common half owner, but then they had different owners Never knew what and you were gonna they were to. sort of like jamming each other on the air. Mm-hmm. So you go south on the 405. Once you got past Redondo beach, 103.1 was unlistenable because you get a like snippet of uh, K surf and then you get a snippet of K ocean. Mm hmm. And uh, so we were the first station in the country to um, employ this uh, synchronized uh, simulcast technology, where uh, we were um, ascent- we were just simulcasting on both stations the same format, and that was Mars. Mm-hmm. And so, well, tell me a little bit about Mars because you you were it was you and Swedish Eagle, right? yeah, right. yeah, also from K Rock, yep. Yeah, Where's yeah. We- he he was my hire. He was my. Uh, Where'd you find him? I mean, <laughs> where's he come from? Uh, Sweden. Okay. Uh, yeah, he still has that Swedish accent. Well, he hasn't no. lost that yet. Okay, which is pretty funny because now it sounds like a combination of Swedish and Southern. It's a it's a kind of a funky accent now. Attention, reggae lovers! For your guaranteed dose of positive vibration and eye revives, tune in every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. until noon for Planet Reggae with me, Swedish Eagle, as your host, and my co-hosts, CC Smith and Roger Stephens from the Beat Magazine and Groove Radio's own special ed. So for the best in damn salt, roots and culture, and African beats, it's Planet Reggae Sundays from 10 until noon here on Groove Radio. Well, we wanted to do something a little, a l- very different on uh, on Mars, somewhat akin to what K Rock had been mm-hmm. in the early days. Uh, we wanted to go out and uh, find new music that wasn't being played on the radio, and uh, you know, it was a lot more fun to be music hunters than to be the music hunted. <laughs> uh, and everybody so- was after K Rock to play this and that, and you, you, you know. You, you couldn't get away from it, but uh, the uh, the music that uh, that we pioneered on Mars was very different, and uh, Eagle take, uh, deserves a lot of credit for that. Tell, talk a little bit about what what was this? Music uh, he, he was uh, he was tuned into the rave culture uh, in a way that I never was, and he was a he was a club DJ before he 
got into radio. Rave music will never catch on. Yeah. <laughs> no yeah. one will listen to that. Not this. And uh, so uh, we got the idea, well, we'll play some of that stuff on uh, on our station, I guess. But, gee, you know, a lot of this stuff isn't even, that's not even a song, really. It's more like a groove. And you say, well, that's okay. People are going to like it. So, well, I'll take your word for it. And sure enough, they did. And uh, those uh, those techno songs became our biggest hits and really put Mars on the map. Yeah, it was like nothing nothing I'd ever heard on the radio. Yeah. yeah. To, the, to this day. And it really upset a lot of uh, a lot of ravers, though, a lot of uh, underground ravers. Oh, you guys are spoiling the scene. Because <laughs> that was back in the days when they'd break into warehouses. Right. And, uh, you know, spontaneously do raves and... And other ones were trying to uh, monetize that and make it a business. And uh, so they do these big commercial raves and advertise them on Mars. And we get all these angry calls. You guys are ruining the scene, man. Stop. Go up the air. And lo and behold, now it's uh, such a moneymaker, these these festivals, these electronic. Well, it wasn't instantly successful, and it really was foreign to a lot of the salespeople. Oh, I would who, couldn't, who couldn't figure out why anybody in their right mind would be listening to this crap, let alone how they can go out and sell it to uh, to advertisers. Well, it was the same at K-Rock. I mean, who, who were your advertisers in the early 80s? It was <laughs> Really, who were your salespeople? I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of trade-outs. I imagine Herb Tarlick, really. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a few people like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was, you know. And that that was kind of the charm. It was like you yeah. would hear these. You you wouldn't hear, uh, you know, your typical, uh, you know, big big budget uh, <laughs> advertiser. You know, you yeah. wouldn't hear Tide being advertised. It was you know some baby. You know, things going on at Florentine Gardens. It was yeah, things yeah, going, a lot of know. lot of clubs. A lot yeah, of clubs. all the clubs. Yeah, it's going to be it's great, like, as someone said all the time. Yeah, I seem to remember something like that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. It's still in my head. It's craziness. K Rock had the numbers back then. That's how. Uh, the salespeople were able to sell that. Mars never quite uh, achieved that because uh, mainly because of signal problems. Mm-hmm. We, we uh, Still. never got into the valley. That was a big gap. Yeah. Hey, if you're enjoying the What Difference Does It Make podcast, which you've been doing for the past 15 to 20 minutes, stay tuned. We'll be right back. Pantheon Podcast listeners, Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house, and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. 
Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Here we are, the What Difference Does It Make podcast returns. And then, so what happened with Martin? Was it bought out by an, another owner bought it out? Or what's um, what Ken hired a succession of managers who couldn't figure out what to do with the with our format. And eventually, this uh, he hired this one woman from Coast who uh, decided that uh, she would have better luck selling it if it was a smooth jazz format. Mm -hmm. And so that was the death knell of Mars FM. Yeah, well, now it's it's a Spanish station now. Yeah, yeah. I mean that's now it's yeah. doing amazingly two, well. Two or three old owners later. Yeah, yeah it was yeah. resurrected a few times, yeah. a couple of different formats, and, and a triple A for for a little while. They tried right. so many different formats, yeah. and then they finally and you know it was yeah. always a signal, and then it goes Spanish, and it does amazingly well. I don't know a lot of its timing. I, I'm sure, something like Mars, I would imagine, would be phenomenal now. Like people are, you know, like it would be yeah. like a, a nice niche. Yeah. Yeah, I always thought that if he if he'd given it six more months, yeah, it would still be on the air. Yeah, that he was, ran out of patience and uh, ran out of money. I remember Pirate Radio was the same thing. They said like you know they went off the air and then like six months later Nirvana came around and like right, oh, they, that right. would have saved us. Yeah, <laughs> so couldn't couldn't do it with Guns and Roses alone. Yeah, she always trying to stick it out. That's right. K Rock never played Guns and Roses either. That was uh, uh well eventually they did. Yeah, <laughs> that but was the right day. about around the time I was leaving. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they added Metallica and a bunch of stuff like that, which which would have been unthinkable at a, at a certain point when we were running it. Yeah. But, so what was but it your, worked for him. What was your – I mean, if you were still running that, what would you have done in the 80s? I mean, it was kind of like remixes were getting big. I think that was starting to get played. Um, yeah, they weren't as big as, uh, as I would have uh, imagined they would be. But if we'd had a full market signal, who knows? Very good. All right, so so let's as we're we'll try and wrap it up. But you're, you're you're back on the air again. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. That that's why you're here. Stranger <laughs> things have happened, but I'm hard pressed to think of one. <laughs> so you went to Mars, and you went to uh, yeah, and I went to um, to Las Vegas for a little while, and I went back to my hometown of Phoenix for for a few years, and uh, then I got um, hired by Sirius. Mm -hmm. Um, at a time when they had less than 10,000 subscribers and I was on two channels, uh, recording shows out of my bedroom at my mom's house in Phoenix. Beautiful. And so I, uh, moved back to LA and, uh, continued doing that for a while. And then I landed a job at, um, Jack FM, mm -hmm. which was K rocks, uh, sister station. Yes. You know, the same people that I had worked for, uh, you know, 20 years before. You look familiar. Yeah, yeah. Back to the group. Well, it's, it's good when they like you. I will say that. Bringing the band back together again. Yeah. So I uh, I did that um, for maybe nine or ten years. I was mainly uh, 
doing uh, scheduling music and programming mm-hmm. music for Jack FM, and in my spare time, they allowed me to uh, to play with the uh, the K Rock HD two mm-hmm. since at, at that they were just running it as a jukebox, basically just hit shuffle and right, and they're off. So I I, I was the only one that. Uh, Actually, Sluggo and I were the only ones that took uh, took it kind of seriously. This is Doug the Slug, yeah. who was from from the nine. He started out at yeah. Rock in the nineties. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant job. And so we did uh, we did uh, air shifts on the on the HD until they came to me one day with this little uh, dark blue folder from IT and <laughs> said, "Well, we're making some changes, and you're one of them. <laughs> Sorry about that." Nothing personal. Maybe someday you could even come back. And I'm like, yeah, right. <laughs> and so that was uh, that was three years ago. And then this past August, I was very surprised to get a call from, of all people, Intercom, mm-hmm. the new owners of K Rock, because when when they let me go, they said, "Well, the CBS wants to get out of radio because they're doing so well with TV and video. They feel that radio was driving down their stock price." And since radio is in a crisis, uh, losing advertisers right and left because people now have so many choices of what to listen to, mm-hmm. like uh, podcasts, Pod- if, if you can believe that shit. <laughs> oh, unbelievable. <laughs> hey, what, I would yeah. waste my time with that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so uh, CBS just wanted to wash its hands of anything radio. And since they couldn't make up the revenue deficiencies in advertising, they uh, thought, well, the next best thing is reduce the payroll. Let's see, you, you, and oh, yeah, you. Yeah. And we were just numbers on a ledger to them at that time. But Intercom wants to do a, a, a serious thing with uh, HD. They have uh, they have vision that CBS never had for radio, and Intercom is a pure radio company. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'm uh, hoping that it uh, actually catches on this time. So they came to you with this proposal for, for yeah. the K Rock reboot. Yeah, what, I said, what, what are you you're talking about? A, a like a job situation? <laughs> uh, well, yes, Freddie. What do you think? And so the uh, you know the uh, compensation could be a little better. Other than that, uh, I'm like delighted everything. to be part of it. What makes you wonder why you wanted to be in radio? And we're uh, we're on uh, at uh, at Icing on the Kick. We're also on uh, full time in Phoenix now. Is that right? On a cool HD2. Oh, okay. In addition to K-Rock HD2. So simulcasting, same thing? Yeah. Wonderful. And on radio.com, all across the United States. And we can hear you from, when are you on the air? Like um, <laughs> 6 a.m. to noon. That's nice. Six-hour shift. Yeah, <laughs> and noon to six hours. on Saturday. <laughs> That's great. I, I, and it is it is doing well. I mean, it's, yeah. it's actually, I, you know, I was looking at the ratings and – yeah, we that, actually showed up. People, yes, people are tuning in. They're finding HD too. Yeah, we just showed I up have, in Phoenix too for the very first time. I have no idea how. Yeah, people are finding yeah. it somehow. Yeah. It's, well, it's getting good press. It's getting. I mean, CBS be has, damned. Yeah, yeah, it is. Now you, I've I've often wondered. You started this off by by doing the uh, this flashback five hundred of your the, the top five hundred songs, right? How, do you just throw? <laughs> do you just, yeah. Is it just, no, you no, just no, no. Willy nilly, like okay. What's your we, methodology? Yeah. I didn't have anything to do with that. That was uh, okay. A, a, a culmination of um, various uh, research that uh, the K Rock had done over the over the uh, past few years, 
So this is research. and it's actually credible research, not like uh, like in the old days when we're you know throwing it throwing spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. And uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a pretty accurate list, I would say, as accurate as any any there- any of those ever are. Do you have a – I mean the number one song was How Soon Is Now by yes. the Smiths. It's our, it's our stairway to heaven. I said, this, <laughs> yes. I said the same thing to Holly. This is – it's like you have to. Um, do you have a top ten or are there songs that, that, that you feel represent K-Rock or that represent your era of K-Rock or, or just like – Well, I think, I think the, uh, this Flashback 500 is a pretty good representation of what's popular. But, what, know, but as far as what I like personally, that would be the kiss of death. You know. <laughs> well, that's fine. What is there- you know, uh, I like I'm not with you as much as anybody, but it never really <laughs> it doesn't really excite me anymore as as a music fan. Can you do you have now like a choice? I could play one song an hour of something that's not on this list of. Um, I, know, do, like, I do. I do like actually. Classic. I do have that privilege and. Uh, I've got uh, my own little obscurity bin that they allow me to uh, dip into, and uh, it kind of has to be in the library already. But when I was running it, I put a lot of things in that library. So uh, they're yeah, there. Yeah, they're they're all there in place. And, okay. Uh, well, we and have- so I'm able to re- resurrect a lot of uh, my old jocks' choices as uh, as obscurities now, and that seems to be very popular with people, at least judging from the emails I get. What? Oh, so you, you do hear from people. I do. That's nice. F snakeskin at krock.com. No Twitter yet? I don't think you're no, on. No, I don't do Twitter. No. <laughs> I, I got no time for that shit. <laughs> Fair enough. Because you're busy answering email. Uh, yeah, 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 that's it. That and, that and petting the cat. All right. Well, um, anything else? I mean, I, this has been great. I really, I really want to thank you, Freddie, for, for showing up and doing this. Um, it's a treat. It's really great. It is a treat for us and hopefully for, for our dozen listeners. Okay. Well, that's uh, <laughs> Freddie with a Y if you're making out a check over there. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was pretty cool. I love hearing the story of Freddie's story and the story of K-Rock. Yeah, that was great. This was uh, this went well, I think. Did it go well? It, I think it went great. Thank you, you Freddie. Yeah, thank you so much, Freddie. Thank you to K-Rock for allowing Freddie to sit in with us and talk about uh, everything that went down at the station. During the 80s. Well, probably not everything. Yeah. Well, I know. I feel, yeah, looking back <laughs> like, oh, I should have asked him this. I should have asked him that. Yeah. But, uh, you know, it, it, it went well. And he was very open with us and very, uh, very genuine. And so that was great. It was, we really appreciate it's that. It's weird to see the person sitting next to you of uh, this voice that you, you grew up listening to. It is. I know. It, it sounds the same. It's yeah. very cool. So um, we'll be back with... Uh, just us babbling for next week <laughs> and we'll bring hopefully we're, we're working on more artists and more talent more interviews yeah more interviews please uh please add us uh where can, where can they add us you can add us well you can find us on twitter and instagram wddim podcast on facebook what difference does it make and every podcast platform subscribe like do tweet whatever, do whatever you can Let us know you're out there. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. And until next week, this is Dave. This is Holly. Check you later. Over and out. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.